All right, guys, welcome to the Fast Forward Podcast. This is episode one. Thank you for joining us right now. If you don't know anything about us, uh, I want to give you a little, little idea of what this podcast will be about. So my name is Brett Wagner. What I am trying to do is find people I find interesting, things that I find um, that's going to bring you value, learn and, and speak to those people and try and get the information out of it. So anyone listening on the other end of it is going to get a little bit better. So today, one of my best friends, I, I'm lucky enough to sit down with him, speak with him, probably shoot the shit with him. He is, in a few words, a eclectic art collector. He is an avid music festival experiencer. He is a MMA junkie in his past. And most of all, he is an internet entrepreneur. So please welcome Ramaz Ibrahim to the Fast Forward Podcast. Just thank you. Thank you, Brett. That was just a, a great intro. I think you really summed up my identity there. Um, the art collector piece. Wow. Yeah, that's, oof, I'm trying, man. It's expensive, but I, I, I'm trying. I know uh, I, for, for anyone on the, who, who's not, who's not looking right now, I can't, I can't define anything in Ramez's background that really, really speaks to us, but maybe if we're lucky enough, you can pull one of those things, show us, say, say where you got it from, where it's got a place in your heart and maybe, maybe make us feel good. In the- <laughs> what, one of my art pieces? Yeah, man. Maybe throw it, throw it at us. Hey, you, you know what? Maybe we'll wait, for, we'll wait for the end. There's too much information to throw out. You know, we're, yeah, we're not- I can pull something. There's some shit I can find around here that maybe there's a cool story behind. I don't know. <laughs> Well, yeah. this is going to be off the cuff. Um, so pull, pulling it back just a little bit. Again, I just want to reiterate that Ramez, the reason you're here is you've absolutely killed it in the internet entrepreneur game. And I've seen you doing it for five, six years. Just there's a difference between people who say they're going to do something and people who actually take an idea, run with it and and become successful with it. And you with the way that you've been able to um, – do that with selling products online, marketing products and making a profit with it. I think there's just a lot of information out there that you know people are probably thinking about, especially during COVID. Okay. How can I, you know, maybe have a side hustle? Um, how can I make a little bit of money? And with that, like, like, I just want to know, like, what, where did you kind of start your entrepreneur like journey? Was it, was it Amazon? Like I want to make money. Were you slinging cell phones in high school? Like what, where'd this kind of start from? Uh, yeah, that's a good question because I mean, behind anyone's like success, and and thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. I did bust my ass to get here, so it feels good to be able to, you know, have someone say that about you. Um, so I appreciate that. But honestly, man, um, yeah, it all started. I, I guess I've always been uh, a, a pretty big like uh, go getter. Um, you know, when I was in, when was it? It was just after I graduated high school. Um, I mean, obviously I was, I was selling weed in high school and stuff, but I didn't really consider that like entrepreneurship spirit. It was just like trying to make some money on the side, but where I really, I feel like one day, man, I, it all kind of comes back to me. I still remember the moment I was sitting in my room. I live, I'm, you know, I'm from Tracy, California. It's a small town, fucking nothing going on there, you know? And I was just, there's not a lot of things that inspired me, um, you know, no one that I grew up with that really went to any like cool, crazy Ivy League schools or it's, it's a very blue collar kind of town, commuter town, people that live there commute to the Bay Area. I'm first generation American. My parents are immigrants, uh, very traditional. My dad wanted me to be an engineer. My mom was like a real estate agent, did nail, nail, nail salon, stuff like that. 
So I had the safe route of like, oh yeah, do well in school, become an engineer, some stuff like that. You know, horrible math. So that wasn't going to happen at all. Um, but I just remember I was in junior college and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life at all. And I was just sitting there like thinking, God, I'm broke right now. I have no money. And having no money is just not cool at all. Like I hated it. I was like, you have too many hobbies you're trying to, you're trying to experience. Dude. Yeah. I mean, I want to art pieces to buy. That's what it is. (laughs) I mean, yeah, at that point, I don't even know what I was trying to buy. I think music festival tickets and uh, just dumb shit that you want to buy when you're 19. Right. But I guess it was, uh, it was this lifestyle that I was aspiring to that I, you know, I, my parents didn't make too much money and uh, they did all right. They they were able to help out and, and get me to where I needed to be a little bit, but I had friends that were pretty well off and I just saw kind of the lifestyles they lived. And I always told myself that, fuck that. Like, I want that life. Like, there's no reason why I can't figure that out. Like that, that, that my friend's dad is not that smart for him to be living that sick of a life. Like I'm going to figure this out. So that, yeah, I'm back to that story of, I was in my room, I'm online and I'm literally Googling how can I make money online? What can I do? Like, what is, what are business methods? And this is back in like, you know, I'm, I'm 29 now. This was when I was probably like 19 years old. So this is 10 years ago. Um, this was before the Amazon thing, before all that shit. And I learned about like drop shipping. And uh, I, I found this website called dhgate.com, which is like this janky ass Alibaba. Um, <laughs> And so what I would do is I went on the website and I'm trying to think, this is kind of like that entrepreneurship mindset. It was like, what are products that people buy that are really like expensive that I could like resell and flip that I can get on this website for cheap? I started to learn about on the website, these aren't legit real goods, right? These are fucking knockoffs, but they're made. And like, I, I mean, I got, would get samples from these knockoffs for maybe like, you know, I started with Beats by Dre headphones, right? The black ones, the nice black fucking Beats by Dre headphones. Yeah, they do. I mean, Beats by Dre ten years ago. I don't like. I don't know if everyone can remember, but that was that was a vibe. It doesn't matter if you were in the gym, you were shooting basketball, you're walking down the street. Like they were the loudest thing, probably one of the most expensive things you could get. Yeah. And they were awesome. Like everyone wanted it. You don't really hear Beats by Dre's anymore, huh? They're not as big, obviously. Mm-hmm. No, I think there's just there, there's too many there's too many brands just doing too well that they kind of fell off. But Dr. Yeah. Dre made a couple billion, so I think he's doing too yeah. Well. Yeah, I know he came he came billionaire off that. Um, but yeah, so I was I was thinking like, okay, Beats by Dre headphones lifestyle item. Everyone wants to buy this shit. Um, they sell for around five hundred bucks retail, four hundred fifty. I mean, they were expensive, and I can get it on dh dhk.com for fifty dollars. I saw the the price tag, and I was like, damn it, I'm doing it. Let's 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 go for it. And so I'd get some samples and I remember getting a couple first orders and they're in this nice glossy box, black plastic grip, uh, you know, all over them, exactly the same as you would get them to Best Buy, like literally everything the same. Uh, the only thing was, is the technology is obviously not the same. They just sounded like nice headphones. And I would then go and like put, put an ad on Craigslist and be like, Hey, I got these brand new beat by Dre headphones, worn once, blah, blah, blah. And I would go and meet people at like Starbucks and I would sell them and I would flip maybe like four or five in a weekend. And I'd make like, maybe, I don't know, six to 800 bucks, you know, a weekend um, when I was like 19. But then it started getting to the point where I just, the demand wasn't there. I wasn't able to find that many customers and it was just not there. Right. So then I'm thinking, all right, how can I move on beyond this? Like what's another product? And you kind of nailed it earlier with cell phones. Like I was thinking people would constantly lose cell phones, break cell phones, shit like that. And so I did the same thing 
um, but with Samsung cell phones, um, the Galaxy Note 2, the Galaxy Note 3, the uh, Samsung S2, the Samsung S3. I mean, this was the old versions, but I would get them from DHgate for, again, like 50 bucks a pop in a nice package, just a perfect phone. I believe how they were able to do this was that they stole the prints. Some guy who worked at Samsung stole the prints from the Korean factory, brought them to another factory and replicated them. So the, that's crazy. Yeah, crazy. And somehow I found the supplier that was making these replications. And so I would literally go around the Bay Area, San Jose. Um, I would drive to the Bay Area because that's where all the demand was. I would post an ad on Craigslist saying, hey, I got a Samsung Galaxy Note 2 for sale, brand new condition, blah, blah, blah. And I would drive in my car and have all these phones lined up. And I would go to just different Starbucks's. I would never go to the same Starbucks in the same day because I didn't want someone to come back and like try to fuck with me. Because <laughs> obviously the phones, I mean, I would meet these people, open it up, they would put their SIM card in, they make a call, they take pictures. It was all legit. It would only be until later that they realized it was like a not real Yeah, it was, like, it was some Samsung knockoff, yeah. Yeah. But, but you were, I mean, you were making your money. Like I was making my money, dude. I was doing them probably $1,000 a weekend, like net profit at 19 years old, which is pretty legit, you know? Yeah, and got so so comfortable that I was doing it for years. I mean, I, I was doing it for, since I was 19 until I went all the way through Las Positas. So that was like three years. And then once I transferred to Cal Poly, I did it at Cal Poly. And when I was doing it at Cal Poly, I wouldn't do it in slow because slow's population is only like 40, 50,000 people versus San Jose's population, which is like one to 2 million people. Yeah, you, you, had, the, you had the demand. But I mean, when, when some people think that you have mommy and daddy for so many college kids paying for rent, you know, like paying their way through it. They, they'd be like, Hey, I got some disposable income. You know, my, this guy looks like a nice guy I could buy a cell phone from <laughs> just give, I, give him a nice smile and a handshake and you'll be on your way. Yeah, that's it, dude. I, I mean, but the thing was, man, like I was using, my parents were helping me pay through Cal Poly tuition. I was paying for rent by myself and like a lot of different, like, you know, expenses that came with that mm -hmm. and shit would add up right and so i would drive almost every weekend from slow to san jose every like saturday morning i would leave at 6 a.m and i would drive to san jose i'd flip four phones i would sell them and i'd drive back to slow the same day and then i would go out to like a dsp party that night or something crazy um so i did that for yeah i mean dude that was a that was a hustle um and i you know i did that enough to where um i ended up one day i don't know if i told you the story but i i I started to uh, get too comfortable and I didn't want to keep driving to San Jose. So I posted an ad in slow and I started selling in slow for a little bit. And I got, there's two stories behind this. One, I got caught up by the police, right? And then I got caught up by some sketchy ass Fresno guys that almost fucking like killed me. Um, so yeah, those are, those are two different stories regarding me being a fucking you know, well, so, so let me, let me ask the question then of for someone, you know, before you even get into the Amazon stuff, someone who's looking to buy a product online, something that might be a knockoff, looking to sell it. Like, is there, I would not recommend that. I was saying, I'm just saying that that's what I, this is how it all started. Right. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't know about buying from, like I was dealing with Chinese suppliers and I was negotiating with Chinese suppliers when I was 19 years old. And I was learning how to like get them for cheap and sell them for more and talk to them over WeChat or WhatsApp or whatever. So those skills, even though I was doing something that I totally regret now and I hate that I did it, those skills are what made me be able to see, look at the Amazon FBA model and say, I can do this now legit and I can do this very well. Legit. 
right? So I don't recommend anyone go and do what I did before, but I was in a situation where there was this fire in me that I wanted to just be successful at all costs, um, especially when a lot of my friends in Tracy were like, not, I mean, no one really gets out of Tracy. You know, it's, it's a very, you, you come, you work into town and you just, you know, work at high school or firefighter or whatever. I wanted just much more than that. Yeah, um, of course. And so I was doing whatever it took. And so, yeah, I got caught up with the law and I got caught up with sketchy people and I knew it was a bad thing to do. So when I was just about to graduate, I had like a court case where like selling to someone that caught was, you know, knew that I was doing it sketchy. And uh, I was able to fight the case myself as my own lawyer because uh, I couldn't afford one at, in slow court. And this was while I was working at MindBody. And I would like come to MindBody and see you every single day. And I wouldn't even tell you I just was at court. And uh, I was actually using my MindBody sales resume as my, as my uh, argument. Like, hey, I'm a good kid. I just got this job at Adobe in San Francisco. If you, if you guys don't get me off probation, I'm not going to get this job. I'm not going to be able to move to San Francisco, all this kind of stuff. And so the judge gave me the chance and, and expunged my record. And so Adobe hired me and I, I moved to SF. Um, and so I took a break. I stopped selling phones. I was like, I'm just getting this out of my life, right? This was a dumb thing I did. It helped me out a little bit, but now it's over with. I need to take, I got this awesome job at Adobe. I'm going to be a great sales rep. I'm going to take this all very seriously and do this. Legit. Well, and so let, let me just even touch on that. So now you've moved away from college. You have a stable job. You know, you're probably making good money. What you know, what was really that factor? You know, there, I know a lot of people that are, you know, working in the tech world, working as salespeople, making great money, you know, like making more money than the average person. Like what, what was that extra kick that you just wanted something more? You wanted freedom. What was that, that thing that, that brought you to that next step? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, because the job was really good. Like it, there's, you know, it's not an accounting job. It's like a good, good tech job with Adobe, something like that. So I, it was, I'm trying to think back because I went to Costa Rica and I remember I was still doing work on Amazon even before that. And that I went to Costa Rica and I realized, damn, I want to travel more like this and get paid while doing it. So I'm glad that I'm doing this Amazon thing because I'm going to hopefully be able to actually do this lifestyle. But I'm trying to think of like, I think there was one day me and my buddy, Steven, who was the one who actually did the phone thing with me. Um, he's my buddy and Tracy. And uh, we would, we would come, I would come home from work every day from Adobe and I would dedicate a single like hour or two hours every single night. I would lock myself in my room in my apartment in the arena across the street from Brixton. And I would just literally close myself off to the world and I would watch YouTube videos on how to sell on Amazon. And they were like jungle scout videos, most like basic, what everyone else does. And I was just like learning. Well, well, maybe talk. even elaborate a little bit more. So, so for people who don't know what jungle scout is, like what, what is it? How did it help you with, with Amazon selling? And like, like just give a foundation again of you know, for someone who has no idea what, what it is, like help kind of lead them in, in, in the direction to what you used, how it was useful to you and, and kind of helped you get to where you are today. For sure. Um, and I guess back to the question of my motivation behind getting into e-commerce or Amazon, I think it was that fact that I saw that I could do it legitimately. Right. And then yeah. I maybe saw an ad on whatever. Um, so then I, also I saw that you could sell, sell stuff with the phone. So it's like, dude, yeah, like, what, what's I, like, the difference? I can do this legitimate now online on Amazon. Wow. I gotta, I gotta figure this out. So, um, what Amazon FBA is FBA is an acronym for fulfillment by Amazon. 
so when you, everyone shops on Amazon, when you go on Amazon, you're buying from like three different types of people, right? You're buying from a Nike, a bigger brand, right? Who mm-hmm. partners with Amazon to sell on their platform. You're, sell, you're buying from Amazon Basics, which is an Amazon brand, or their partners that are selling under the Amazon umbrella, right? It won't say Amazon Basics, but you could see that it's fulfilled by Amazon, right? And then there's Amazon FBA, right? Which is an Amazon FBM, which is where people like me or you or anyone who says, I want to start selling on Amazon. FBA, FBA means I'm sent, sending my product to Amazon and they're going to do all my logistics for me. Mm. I'm going to send them all my inventory from China. It's going to go to the uh, warehouse in Texas. And from the warehouse in Texas, Amazon's going to ship to all my customers in the United States. FBM, fulfillment by merchant, is saying, hey, I don't want to do all that because Amazon takes a cut and I don't want to do that cut. I, want, I have enough room in my place where I just want to have all these boxes in my apartment. And I want to drop ship those units from China to my apartment instead of the Amazon warehouse. And I will fulfill them myself. The only problem with that is you don't get the prime badge when you're an FBM seller. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So if you're so an you get FBM, knocked down, like the, you get knocked down the list. Um, like It's an incentive for Amazon to be like, we want people to sell FBA model. And honestly, when they look at statistics saying like how much money you make net revenue wise, it's going to be, uh, when you're selling on FBA, you're, you're still even saving more money because the cost and the time saving, and it literally is that passive income lifestyle, right? So, um, as of doing the FBA model, it's all, it's totally hands-on. Well, so, so start, so starting just even what someone who doesn't know, like, what was your, what was your first product? What made you think of that product? You know, what were some of like the, the things that went well with it? What were some of the things that you kind of refined and mar- either marketed better or picked a better industry for? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, so back to your question too, regarding jungle scout, right. Um, I've kind of told you about the FBA business model now within this FBA business model, I think it's been around since like 1999. Okay. So it's old. Now companies realize this potential that Amazon is allowing all these people to start to sell on their platform. And so they, a whole bunch of software developers started developing code and making these programs that help people like me be able to find products on Amazon to sell, you know, by looking at each product, how much money they're making, how much competitive, you know, stake it has in the market, um, all these different factors. And it's kind of, you know, it gives you the, the ability to filter out 40 million different listings on Amazon. I want to see every single listing that's in the home and kitchen category that makes $30,000 a month that only has a hundred reviews and less. That means it's a new account or a new uh, seller, right? Anything lower than like a couple hundred reviews, new seller, premature market, but that person's making 30 K a month. Maybe I can go in there and get in this unsaturated market and start to sell based on negative reviews that this guy maybe has. There's a lot of different components to it. I mean, so so is jungle scout just the, is jungle Scout just the software that shows you where these markets give you an ability like, is there any training videos? It's a whole suite of products. It's just like what I sold at Adobe and I sell at Salesforce now. It's literally a suite of products that helps an Amazon seller do their business. From doing advertising data to product research to keyword analysis, every little one, every little like tool helps you do a different function for your business, okay. right? And so this is what they do. There's Jungle Scout and Helium 10. I don't use Jungle Scout. I use Helium 10 now. It's a little bit more advanced. They're both just competitors and they're the main guys in the market. Um, so, I mean, there is, we can talk for hours about these two tools and how to leverage them properly. 
Um, that's just a totally different conversation. Uh, but when it comes down to how I started, it was initially on Jungle Scout. I watched these videos. I watched all this free YouTube content, which for anyone who's watching this who wants to get started, I would recommend, I mean, I can give you, I can, I don't know, either give you the content after yeah, we, can, we can do show notes. So if there's any links, any videos, um, as a follow-up to the podcast, so whether it's on like YouTube or um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we can put stuff in there so people can, can actually go there and, and visit those links. Perfect. Yeah. So I was, I was just good diving deep in these videos and teaching myself all this stuff on Jungle Scout, how to use the, uh, how to use the software efficiently to be able to find Amazon products. And I came across my first Amazon product, which was baby stainless steel sippy cups with stain with silicone lids and silicone sleeves. <laughs> right? And I labeled my first company eco family. And I was going to have, I still think it's a good idea. It's a whole brand line for baby products that are environmentally friendly, BPA free, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, especially good, with like the whole, the whole, the whole health push of, I mean, there's, I even saw something recently that uh, Canada is trying to ban all plastics. And so like you have a, a country doing that and, I mean, you can imagine like maybe the U.S. will finally like something will trickle down to us. But it's, you know, there's a there's a I would even argue in the last five years, just on any sort of awareness for health, whether it's baby, prenatal, you know, uh, like it, anything in between. Like there's there's a there's an emphasis on I don't want to be poisoning myself. So that's that's super yeah. interesting. You're able to find a market opportunity like that. What, six, seven years ago, even before a lot of the momentum for the stuff was hidden. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this. I don't know. I thought it just made sense, right? Like yeah. I, I was looking online, I looked on Jungle Scout, I'm seeing all these fucking baby plastic sippy cups crushing it, right? And I just thought to myself, like, how can I make, look, you're not selling to the kids, you're selling to the parents. What do parents spend the most money on their kids? They're willing to spend a fortune on their kids. And so I wanted to tap into that market. Um, what I did learn is that's one of the hardest with that, right? With that money that they're willing to spend is extremely extremely strict buyer demand and that's what fucked me uh, because when i launched these sippy cups they were stainless steel okay and there was silicone so there's no bpa there's no plastic there's none of that the problem was i didn't have a target or user market to help me when i first designed my product i designed it based on what i thought might look cool or work well i looked at a lot of the negative reviews of some of the other designs where there was a rolled lip around the cup and the rolled lip would get junk food underneath the lid and the lid on the junk food would turn to mold. And a kid, people were leaving bad reviews on Amazon about this products, about this fucking junk food underneath the lid and it was dangerous for their kid. And I said, holy shit, I'm gonna design a cup that's stainless steel for one, it's not plastic. And it's not gonna have a lip, so there's not gonna be food that gets caught underneath. Yeah. And so I did that. And then I had these cool little elephant trunk lids that have the stout or the snout, uh, what are the fucking nose of the elephant coming up and that's where the kids drink from. Yeah, yeah, uh, out of the trunk. Design on it. Yeah, yeah. And then for the stainless steel, if you have cold milk or warm milk, I had a little sleeve that matched the color of the silicone lid. So it was just like, and I would sell five cups in a box with five lids, five sleeves. And initially it was doing great. I, was, I remember I was at Cross Music Festival and I looked down at my phone or I had my Amazon Seller Central app. And it was my first day of doing like a thousand dollars in sales that at a, one, one day. Mm. And I was at Cross just like raging. I was like looking at my friends like, look at this. this <laughs> and we so I was like, well, yeah, you got to admit too. It's just like, it's like when you see you see the results almost like through your phone like that that you've put in, what hours of design, hours of market research, hours of learning, and you know all of a sudden you get 
you get this small goal of a thousand bucks on your phone. And Amazing. I mean, it, you, of course, like for you, you, you used to sell the phones you used to, um, you used to do that. So like, this is just another, another step of validating like what you've been doing. And it's almost exactly. like, okay, like I've hit this milestone. Like I know it's only up from here. Like the first thousand was probably the hardest. You're like, okay, I know <laughs> this is going to work. Like might as well, might as well keep running with it keep leaning into it because it's only going to go, it's only going to get better. Yeah. You would think that. And then I got, <laughs> I, then no, and I got tested, bro. Like I got tested with that product because not only did at first, I mean, I was, I was doing well because I had my friends buy the product and leave reviews and they weren't going to have kids. It was all, it was like bullshit reviews. Um, and I was just doing it to try to like make sure that other people who came on, because one of the hardest things to do when you launch a product is get initial reviews from random people. Mm -hmm. every single person you you buy from on Amazon has initial reviews from their friends and family that helps them boost up their Amazon. Would product. you say this is across the board, legitimately all products are probably every single product, every single product, because now 60% of people selling on Amazon are Chinese and they are doing the most scandalous shit. So any American seller, I mean, that's a totally different topic. We can yeah. About, yeah. We, but, we can get in that maybe a different time, but even like, uh, that's a good point though. So, so I, I, I do want to get into some specifics about uh, like, how how you market your product, how you sell sell it, how you've been able to like pivot with some of the the challenges with COVID. So I do I do want to get into that because I do have a feeling that whoever's going to be listening to this, you know, maybe there might be that one kid who's in high school. You know, he's he's got maybe a couple thousand bucks in his pocket. He's got an idea of okay, I want to, you know, I want to do Amazon. I want to do it right, but I don't I don't know where to start. Yeah, there's YouTube. Yeah, there's a lot of information out there, and you. I mean, you could probably agree too. There's a lot of, there's a lot of crap. There's a lot, a lot of, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people telling you to do something where you're just going to be wasting your money. You buy a course where you're listening to this guy who has never made a profit anyways. So um, just with that, I do want to bring it back just a little bit, um, like I was saying, and, and kind of just, I want to focus on how you market your products. So okay. again, you've talked about with Jungle Scout, Jungle Scout being um, a software you use to identify identify products, identify markets that might be ripe for someone to come in and either sell a better product or even market better. So with something like, you know, give us an example of what you're selling right now, a situation where you pushed your way in to a market that either wasn't saturated or was unsaturated and why you were successful doing that. Yeah, good question. Um, I So I'm not going to get too specific about what I'm selling right now because as Amazon sellers, it's almost like a code of silence. The only reason why I told you my stainless steel sippy cups one is because I don't sell it anymore. Yeah, so, okay. Here's the idea and they want to steal it. Go ahead, go after it. I mean, I'm sure there's still- Well, could you tell us the, maybe the, like the- I'll, I'll tell you the, the, I'll tell you the category. The industry or like the product? Yeah, yeah. So I do lifestyle home goods, right? I do, I, I sell things that make people want to show off their products to their friends. I sell an emotional attachment to a product that knows that when they get this product, they are looking at it and they want to grab that box and open it up real fast because they got a reason that they want to show it off, right? There's a great documentary that I, I watched that kind of gave me these, these insights about this emotional selling that, that people really seek in products. And it was, and this, is a, this is kind of odd on this topic. It's actually all about marketing and advertising and how the age of advertising started in the United States. And it actually was started, um, one of the biggest advertisers was Sigmund Freud's cousin. And he uses he used principles of psychology in advertising. And he helped the, the biggest cigarette brands 
in New York back in like, I don't know, the 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. be able to market these cigarettes to women, right? And what they were, the, the problem was initially at the time, cigarettes were very masculine. They had, women were not smoking cigarettes and they were trying to find a way to penetrate the market. And so what they did is they reached out to Sigmund Freud's cousin. I forgot what his name was. He's a famous guy. There's a whole documentary on this. It's legit. I could send it to you. But what they did is they, they, he tried to think, okay, how can I make it empowering to women? Or there was at the time women were, you know, not able to vote. Like, how can I make women have freedom? So what he did is he had a campaign where during the Macy's parade in, in downtown New York, uh, he told them that he got a group of women. I said, I want you to go in this parade and I want you to light up cigarettes and I want you to call them like freedom lighters. And I want you to celebrate your like freedom from men and other people and smoke cigarettes. And this is going to be all over the news and all the, all over everything. And so they did that. And after that sales and uh, for women skyrocketed for cigarettes. All right. So there is that emotional attachment that, that he hit home with the buyers of this product. It was something bigger than, I'm just going to use this and I'm going to, you know, it's a scissors. I'm just going to cut something with it. I tap into that market. That is, that is how I do selling. Right. I I tap, I try to tap into that. Like I I sell products like that specifically. There's like, so with with your product though, like what, what do you, I mean, and of course, like if this is the code of silence for how things are marketed to like free field to let me know, but I just want to know, you know, what's, what's kind of your secret sauce is it is it the product? <clears throat> is it is it the way that you go into market? Is it the way that you describe oh, it? Even in, oh. even simple as descriptions. Yeah, everything. It's honestly it comes down to first the product. Who am I selling it to? Right. So like for example, let's say one of my products is in the wedding industry. So what I will do is I will put myself as someone who is a as weird as it sounds a, a bride or something. Mm-hmm. Right. I understand, will go understand your customer. I will go in Facebook and I will join every single bridal Facebook group you can imagine. And I will look, it's, it's not like, not just bridal Facebook group, but like buying and selling of bridal items, right? And I would dive in and I would see what everyone's losing their shit about. And I would say, I would try to understand why they're losing their shit about it. And it's either because it's just a trend at the time or they're going to show it off at the wedding. And, you know, think about it. When you're, you're at your wedding, you want to, you're having all your friends come to see you, you haven't seen in years. It's like a reunion. You want to show off all this shit about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So I was trying to identify those products that people were buying for their weddings to like show off to their friends and stuff. And so I was able to find one of my products by doing that, um, which is, you know, now one of my main staple products. And I have th- around three products now that are specifically within the wedding industry that, you know, would honestly with those three products in the last year and a half, I'm doing like $800,000 in sales. So Interesting. So, so that actually kind of leads me into my next question is with, with the changes, especially the last, you know, 15 months with COVID has you, have you seen your products like certain industries really start to taper off in revenue and then you've started to cut back on some of that, that inventory and then start either start investing into new products or new industries that you've seen that, okay, these are starting to pick up a little bit more momentum with like, work from home lifestyle or people changing their jobs a lot, or even just even moving and maybe going to live in the Midwest because they can afford a house or something, you know, it's yeah. crazy. But like that's, that's kind of the reality of the situation. It's dude, it's true. And uh, a lot of people are thinking just like you and uh, I did as well. The funny thing was, is that like, I mean, I mean, there's so much we could talk about. I don't know how much we have, you know, we don't have too much time, but I literally quit my job at Adobe after four years 
so I could just run Amazon full time, right? And when COVID happened, um, I was initially doing really well. Like I quit in 2019. I just got back from Brazil. I had a great time there for New Year's. I get back. I'm in a QBR quarterly business review for my account account plans, and I've seen these old ass dudes getting roasted. And I'm like, I don't want to be these guys. I step out the meeting. I call my mom. Say, hey, mom, I'm, I'm quitting my job. I'm quitting Adobe, and I'm just going to go Amazon FBA full time. And she literally was like, look, I trust you enough to figure out, you know what you want, yeah. do it. And so I was like, fuck it. That next week I quit. And so I started running Amazon FBA full time. I was focusing on it. I was trying to explain, grow my brand. This was in, this was in March of 2020 or no, sorry, February, right before COVID. I couldn't have quit at the worst time in my life. <laughs> and so I'm like oh, doing well. I'm having one of the best months. Next thing you know, the news starts reporting COVID and like, all these different every single day just started getting worse and worse and worse and i remember it was just maybe i think it was like april 5th of last year my sales went from like 50 60 units a day to like three units a day four units a day and not only was i not selling shit i had all this inventory that i just purchased mm -hmm. thousands like 50 60 thousand dollars worth of inventory that was just like sitting in china waiting to come to the states and i have all this inventory already here that's going to get old in the amazon warehouse and they're going to charge me and so I start having this like panic attack of like, holy fuck, not only did I just fuck myself with buying all this inventory that I don't know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to sell, I'll be in all this debt, not, and I also just quit my fucking job that would have been my security, right? So when I, word of advice for anyone who's starting this stuff or they're getting in this kind of business, there's going to be moments, it's just like any business, it doesn't matter if it's online business, it's a business, and there's risks involved. And you have to be ready for those risks because they can happen. And little do you know, there's a hundred year pandemic and that happens when I first quit my job to start my own company. And you know what? It made me that much stronger because I stuck through it. April went around, May, those two months were the worst months. I wasn't making any money. I was thinking like, all right, I got to pretty much beg for my job back. I got to figure it out. Um, but luckily enough, buyer behavior came back. People realized that the virus isn't as deadly as they thought, and they didn't need to hoard all their money. And so they started buying again. And so slowly but surely, business came back. And I was able to go from two products to now I have five products. And I, you know, I'm, I'm doing as better than I've ever could imagine. Right. So, well, so with, with COVID, I mean, even, even touch, like stand on that subject with, yeah. with imports. Sorry, you're asking about buy, like, different segments people were trying to get into. I, I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, but, go ahead. Yeah, with what you're saying, so everyone's thinking the same way as you. And so when everyone's thinking the same way for uh, during something like COVID supplies or work from home supplies and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you just gotta imagine that it's already about to be saturated because everyone else is trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I try to think opposite of what other people are trying to do. I'm gonna go in those markets that aren't going to be as saturated, probably aren't even doing as well right now because they're going to come back and they're going to do really well. And all those people are going to spend all that time in those saturated markets for a world that is temporary. Everything's going to come back. All this stuff's going to come back and sales is going to drop for them. But you know what? I'm going to be over here doing my own thing, not taking advantage of the hype, right? Yeah. So that's what I did and it worked out. So that's to answer your question. It, it, yeah. No, I like, the, I like the way you think that because it's like, Oh man, it's like anything in life where you can think ahead or you can think two steps ahead. And it's always good to plan, but if you can plan ahead of what people are planning for, you you're you're so ahead of the curve, you're on that cutting edge that maybe something you're doing now, people won't like it won't even be mainstream 
so, something people consistently do until maybe five, six years down the line anyways. And yeah. people are like, like Rama's had like Rama's bread. How'd you do that six, seven years ago? It's like, well, are you, are you following the trends or are you staying ahead of the trends? And that's, and that's the thing is, and I know at least in my life, like, you know, I, the way I empower myself is I'm, I'm always reading, I'm always learning and I'm always trying to better myself. And sometimes like you, you find that little bit of information, maybe it's even like an opinion someone has, but just because you've opened yourself up to listen to that and maybe take it in, let it marinate. And you're like, you know what? I actually agree with this. I actually think that the future of things will go this way, but it's mm -hmm. not the immediate future. It's going to be in the, it's going to be sometime, but I'm going to position myself to be able to take advantage of that kind of just like you have now you've you've already looked past covid you're you're setting yourself up you're going to you're going to be successful you're going to keep killing it man i'm excited to see what that looks like <laughs> yeah no i appreciate it dude um but you know i want to make sure that like you know people that watch this and they're like okay this guy made a whole bunch of money so just to be just to let people know for credibility wise right i'm not just like talking out of my ass i'm just not just some guy you went to college with um, I am your, you know, homie that was able to get, make, you know, make a, something of himself within e-commerce. Mm -hmm. Right. And what I've done so far is I, today I am $200,000 shy of my million dollar goal. Um, and I was able to achieve that in the last year and in, in a couple of like year and two months. Right. And that's in sales. Right. So that's passive, pretty much income. I work an hour a day, every single night on my Amazon business. There's a lot of upfront work you're gonna have to do to get to this point. But if you literally, I think one of the biggest things that you have to realize in this thing is there is going to be things that hit you from every single angle and it's going to knock you down and you're going to fucking freak out. And the main thing, I mean, it's happened to me three times, right? I dealt with a shitty Chinese manufacturer that sold me, that stole like $20,000 from me right when I was first starting. So I, I could have stopped then, I could have failed then. Um, there was that, you know, let me think, there was a baby sippy cup time i could have stopped them because i failed that product right i didn't tell you but that product failed um there's multiple times where it's gonna it, it's going to happen you need to just persevere and just know that you are going to kill it like it has to be ingrained in your mind there was never one point where i doubted myself i knew those were roadblocks because i was listening to people like me saying this right now that have just that have, are, we're doing it and you're telling me just like i'm telling anyone else who's listening to this that this shit is going to happen, just be prepared and make sure to be like just cognizant of it and you'll be fine because you know it's it's not the end of the world. So if I didn't if I didn't bounce back from those things and I wouldn't be here today, you know, and I uh I'm I'm just grateful to I mean the fact that you even wanted me to talk on this podcast about this is pretty awesome, right? Um but I do it's think as simple as like you're 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 one of my friends who's been able to actually get something done and there's there's so many people out there that have a dream or have an idea of doing something and they always find that excuse of you know oh you know i i can't do it yet oh i'm not ready yet and then all of a sudden like a year goes by two years goes by five years goes by like i even look at myself i'm i'm getting closer to 30 but like when i stand in the mirror like i on the inside sometimes i don't feel any different than 18 right yeah <laughs> right there with you Right. And what if I don't what feel if, 30, I'm about to be 32. It's crazy. That's what I mean. And who's, who's going to be listening to this? Who might be maybe be like 14 to 18, you know, 
And they're like, yeah, I have all the time in the world. And they're smart. If they're listening to this kind of stuff at 14, God, I wish I was either, either that, or we're going to have to, we're going to have to mute some of the comments coming from Ramos's way, but Hey, you know, in the modern world, they're probably used to it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, my bad, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's God for any of those people that are listening to this. I, I, I mean, there's so much valuable content and uh, you can get from online just for free. Honestly, like don't buy any of that bullshit that people are pitching. Those Kevin Davids of the world, those Amazon gurus that are like, you can make a million dollars in the next two months. Like it's all bullshit. It's, it's not real. Um, it's just like any business. It's going to take, I think some of the things you just have to be aware of if you're first starting for one, it's like going back to school right? You have to in college mode, you have to be in knowledge, just mode of you're constantly going to teach yourself. So that takes time, right? You have to be dedicated. Uh, it's going to be take a significant amount of capital. I would say when you first starting a product, probably 10 to $15,000, um, just right off the bat that you're willing to lose, right? Just well, not all people have disposable income like that. So what I did is I maxed, I bought, I got two travel credit cards and I maxed them out for my products. And I'm not saying, I'm not recommending it for everyone. <laughs> I was very sure of myself based on the data I was pulling from my products that I was going to make this money back. And so I've been building up my credit score, maxing out those credit cards and just paying them off. And now I have like 500,000 miles on one of my cards. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a benefit. Now I can travel the world because I'm paying off on my inventory from Amazon. I'm just paying off the cards. And now my credit score is super high too. So that's a trick of the trade, that, right? That like I learned from, from just watching content. Um, but Hey, if you have that income without having to use your credit, do that too, because you're not taking the risk of using, you know, credit, no, but that was one way to no, do it. I feel it, man. Well, it's, a, I mean, for most people, 15,000 bucks, just to kind of, kind of throw this aside and be willing to burn is that's a, that's a decent chunk of change. So, yeah. um, if you can take like baby steps, like you were saying, or, or find ways to kind of mitigate the risk. Cause you know, like any business, it's going to be high risk anyways. Like you just gotta, you gotta, hedge those things against yourself and make sure you're in a good position to succeed. Yeah. So with that, I got a, I got a couple more questions for you. And with, with knowing that you've gotten into this lifestyle and like, like so many people kind of search for it too, of this internet entrepreneur, this, you know, this freedom that I'm going to travel the world, do my own thing has, you know, I know COVID's kind of thrown a wrench in things, but yeah. has there been any other realizations of the lifestyle, the work, maybe working by yourself that you didn't really think about beforehand and either had, you know, either a positive effect that you didn't know or kind of a drawback that you've been dealing with? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, COVID for sure, uh, put a, a wrench in everything, right? Like I, I was going to, so initially when I quit, the reason why I quit was Adobe was that I was going to travel to, I was going to go on this cruise, digital nomad cruise from, Cartagena, Colombia to Lisbon, Portugal. And it was a two week, literally a digital nomad conference cruise where you talk with other of the best digital nomads in the world doing it. And you get to learn with each other and, and, and vibe and you create these tribes and all that kind of stuff. And then I was gonna go to Lisbon and then I was gonna go to Mallorca, Spain for like a uh, conference that they were having in Spain. And I was gonna just surround myself with these people in the lifestyle. And then uh, literally the cruise industry was the first thing to go down. So the cruise was canceled. And I mean, I was going to move to Lisbon in November um, of 2020 as well. I was going to use a cruise as a way to get there and then move there. And then after this all happened, I ended up staying, right, obviously. Um, and then I, I got a girlfriend. I, I bunkered down and uh, got through COVID. 
And um, I ended up going to Croatia for a month just because I just had that travel bug. I just had to get out of the United States. It was just, I was so just down here. And um, I did this travel vlog. I created the Journeyman Ram brand where it's just all about traveling and, and creating an e-commerce lifestyle to where you can travel and get paid for it, right? And just mm -hmm. kind of show people that I was doing it, like not even necessarily teaching them the, the how to do it yet, but more of like, this is the result of that. Yeah, well, it shows possible. Sometimes you just need you need to you need to see it's true before you can actually take that first step for sure but i did realize man like i guess it was because it was covid but when you're i, I could see it happening and, and when i'm in all these different digital nomad groups i hear a lot of people talking about it but it's it's a very lonely lifestyle right um because you're constantly if you're traveling the world by yourself a lot you make these close ass relationships with people in a certain part of the world and you do all these cool things you work together but then a nomad never stays in one place for too long. So then they go somewhere else and they develop those new relationships again with other people and they go somewhere else and they keep doing the same thing. And I kind of, uh, there's this stoic, I'm reading letters, uh, letters from a stoic right now, Seneca. Mm -hmm. And it, one of the first quotes he says is like, or one of the first stories he talks about is how a traveler and someone who never puts their roots down will never be able to grow. Right. And it just makes sense. Because if you're, you know, if you're if you're constantly moving around, I mean, having a community, having a foundation and a base where you can use. I'm not saying traveling is bad. I love. I'm going to travel all the time still. But I think he does have a point that if you are constantly moving and you're constantly traveling, you're not able to settle down in just like one place to use as that home base. You're not going to be able to like. I don't know. I, I kind of am feeling like that's just a, a true sense of like growth. Um, you know, with relationships, with friendships, with your business. I mean, even if it is e-com lifestyle, like when I went to Croatia, I had to keep putting in my SIM card for China and my, my SIM card for the United States kept getting lost. I'd have to go through Wi-Fi to be able to connect. Like it made my business hard to run. And then I had to send samples to myself and I couldn't send them to Croatia. So then I had to wait to go back to the United States to launch a new product because it was samples. So, like I was learning these things that I was like, Oh my God, these are small nuances that I didn't even think about that I was going to just throw my life into. Mm -hmm. And it was going to make my growth of my business harder. Um, and so I'm kind of glad I went, I did that, but I'm still not done. I mean, I still want to travel. I still want to do all that kind of stuff, but I am realizing that I think it's important to have like a somewhat of a home base that you can always come back to stay, spend some time with and, and say, you know, get your, well, it's, get, it's you know. good to, it's good to have the financial freedom to make those decisions, right? It's, it's good to feel like you don't have to show up anywhere. It's good to feel like you don't have to report to anyone. That's it's good amazing. to know that you're, you're kind of your own boss at the end of the day. That's yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the whole reason why I did it. Right. was the fact that you're, when you're working for yourself and you're, you have all these risks, but these responsibilities of like your own job, your own way of income, you're not working for someone else's dream, right? You're working for your own. You're not listening to someone, anyone else telling you what to do. It's your own life. So you literally do whatever you fuck you want. Um, and it's all on you. And there's a sense of freedom there that not a lot of human beings in history will ever be able to experience. And so having that, that freedom and that sense of freedom, it's one of the most liberating things you can ever put yourself through. Um, and so when I initially got that before COVID, it was like, holy fuck. Everything in my life led up to this moment right now. <laughs> I'm taking advantage of it. I'm moving to Lisbon. I'm going to buy a VW bus and I'm going to drive around Europe while building my business out of my laptop. That was literally all I was going to do. 
And uh, I, you know, COVID, who knows? Everything happens for a reason. Right. I'm not mad about it because, you know. Well, you whatever. just pivot. You pivot. You pivot and make make worth uh, make work what the situation is. And I think that's actually just a kind of a, a perfect segue. Probably in the last question I got for you, we're we're almost at time now. So, um, and I feel like this will be a good one for you, especially with all the the traveling you've done, the work that you've done, the things you've experienced. So the question is, Ramos, if you can go back five years and give yourself one piece of advice, what do you think that piece of advice would be? I would say I spent a lot of my early days starting this business out stressing, right? Because it's so new and I didn't have anyone to lean on. Like I have, a, I, I have a lot of friends who want to get in this now. And the cool thing is when they want to get into it, they can lean on me. I didn't have anyone that I could have leaned on, right? I was watching these YouTube videos and I was spending thousands and thousands of dollars risking my money to do this Amazon thing, right? Um, and so I was stressing a lot about, like I was freaking out about Chinese people not reaching back out to me or whatever it may be. So I would say for one, don't stress too much. It'll be okay. Just be very calculated with what you do and don't, don't think, I guess, don't imagine things are gonna go wrong that aren't even a reality yet. I was always thinking the worst um, all the time. And that was just an imagination. It wasn't real life. Um, that's just what, how I, I think sometimes. And it, it helps me mitigate risk, but it also causes a lot of stress. So I would tell my younger self, don't do that. Um, and then, God, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Honestly, I, I would tell my younger self to fucking keep doing what he's doing because I'm very happy with where I'm at right now. If I would have told him something else that made a maybe butterfly effect and maybe would have changed his course, I would have been pissed at my younger self. I'm pretty fucking stoked on my life right now. So I uh, I would say that now looking back, it's, I guess it was more of just the anxiety and the stress of having starting and growing a business and quitting your job and, and doing all these things. But it'll always just work out as long as you just bust your fucking ass um, and you know you have a vision and you have a why that you're always backing your, your, your decisions with, you know? My why was I knew that I'd never wanted to, I'm not the kind of person that I just don't listen well with authority. I don't like telling people, someone telling me what to do all the time, which is like a boss kind of thing. And uh, I wanted to just be able to make decisions for myself. And that's what owning a business is. And uh, as long as you have that why in the back of your head, you're always working towards it, that that motivation doesn't go away. It just, it just keeps coming at you, you know? Well, with that, Ramos, I feel like that's a great place to end it. Uh, a lot of information, a lot of background. I'm sure we'll probably do this again. There, there's too much. There's too much knowledge in that head to pull out of you for for people to listen to. So, with that, I want to say um, thank you to Ramos, and then thank you to everyone who's listened for episode one of the Fast Forward Podcast. Um, I'm going to put the show notes up. Hopefully, give you guys a couple of links for Jungle Scout things we talked about. Um, just notes um, for everything that happened. And again, hopefully, we see you guys next time. Thanks. Thank you, guys.